Uh, I've always loved watching movies from this actor. Uh, chances are everyone knows who Jackie Chan is. A so well-known a film scholar said that he might be the most recognized film star in the world. That's a big call. Uh, but with every movie you kind of watch, you always see Jackie Chan, hey, he's the good guy. Uh, it almost seems like he can't do anything wrong. Uh, Jackie's dedications to his films are pretty amazing. He does his own stunts. Uh, he's supposedly broken every bone in his body before. And not only are his films amazing, but he himself, he's known for philanthropy, uh, his efforts to care for others, by being uh, generous, perhaps uh, by giving to charity. Uh, one thing that happens with being as capable or uh, honorable as Jackie Chan is that people look up to them. Now, fair enough, right? We have a tendency to look up at these stars and think, wow, he's so busy, but he still cares for others, or he's exceptional at what he does. Now, as much as I like him and think he's amazing, he's let people down before, um, even people he hasn't actually met. See, a couple years back, someone found out that Jackie Chan actually had an affair. He cheated on his wife, was actually father to a daughter with another woman. You can imagine that those who thought he was uh, morally upstanding felt severely let down. They were disappointed that someone as amazing as Jackie Chan could do such a thing. And I want to say that this is what we do, not just with celebrities, but with people too. Generally what happens is that people look up to other people and very, very often there's disappointment. Trusting people can be really hard for such a reason. Our friendships, relationships are broken as a result. So what about God? Why should we trust Him? What makes Him different? Today as we look through Psalm 146, I hope to show you all that there are reasons we shouldn't put all our trust in people, but we should praise and put our trust in God. Let's talk about praising God first, as we see in verses 1 to 2. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I'll praise the Lord all my life. I'll sing praise to my God as long as I live. Uh, one of the ways I was really tempted to start today was by asking, how's your praise life? I think there are a few reasons that's not the best way to go about today's psalm. Uh, one reason is that it's very easy, easy for us to say, oh yeah, uh, good, yeah, mm, yeah, good, it's, it's fine. And another reason I think it's not good is that that's going into the realm of trying to guilt you all into praising God. That's not the, what the author is trying to do here. He starts this psalm by telling us, praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. In the original text it says, hallelujah, and it's plural, and that shows us how Israel used this psalm. It's the congregational leader up front saying, praise the Lord, and then all of you responding, praise the Lord. It's kind of like Ben going, praise the Lord, and you all repeating after him. See, praising God is really important. I think there are two reasons for us to praise God. Firstly, there's a theological reason. If God isn't praised, 
he won't be known. Secondly, is a spiritual reason. If praise doesn't characterize us, we'll run into great danger, and let me explain why. Praise isn't just us saying how wonderful God is privately. It's not just us singing loudly to Him. It's also us praising Him publicly to other people, even people that might be hard to tell. It's telling others how wonderful He is, and it's also where we live a life that's consistent with that belief. If you think God is wonderful, great, well, live according to His ways. Know how God wants you to live and live that way. Meet with others and read God's Word together. Be a Christian witness to those who don't know God. Praise God by living a life that's consistent with the belief that He's wonderful. Because if we don't live in such a way, there's danger ahead of us. Uh, you could think of this in a similar way to your relationships. Now, telling your loved one, darling, you're wonderful, or, or mum, you're the best, that's different to telling others, isn't it? It's different because the second one is harder and scarier to do. And again, that's different to living it out, isn't it? Living it out would be like you put your loved one before you. Maybe you ensure that important decisions you make are made along with them. Or perhaps you get into activities that they're into. But sometimes living out this praise for people can be hard. We might not want to do it all the time. Uh, perhaps it's gotten to that point where it's date night with your spouse, uh, but it might be hard to go because you're tired. Maybe you feel things are a little bit tight financially. Living out that life where you praise the other person can be really hard. We're not amazing at it, but having said that, that can strain our relationships, can't it? Uh, when I started, I said that asking you how your praise life is going would be a lousy way to start. Guilting you into praising God isn't going to work. People don't respond well to being guilted into doing anything, really. Uh, so it makes sense that it's not about being guilted into praising Him. But I think it's about letting Jesus lead the praise for us. You think about it. Jesus didn't only say how wonderful God was. He told the world. And He lived that perfect life that we can't. We do try, but in many ways we fail. We might tell a lie, even if it's small. We might get self-righteous. We might lust after someone. We might gossip. We might think that we don't need to follow God's ways because everything we've done in the past has worked completely fine. There are many ways we fall short of God's standard. And so that's why we can't fully give God the praise that He deserves. And so Jesus has to be leading the praise for us. Jesus is the only one who's lived that perfect life, that obedient life to God. He's the only true righteous human that's ever lived. So trust in Jesus. He's the only one who truly praises God perfectly. But 
he still died in our place. He's the example of what praise looks like and does it on our behalf. Jesus starts the praise and we join in with him by living that godly life. But as the psalmist gives the reader an encouragement in verses 1 and 2, he switches gears and gives a warning in verses 3 to 4. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Uh, When I was younger, I used to think uh, Prince William was pretty awesome, mainly because uh, he and I have the same name. Apart from that, I don't think I've ever really been tempted to put my trust in princes. But the psalmist doesn't necessarily mean royalty. He also means the influential, the rich, the gifted, the powerful, the talented. The kind of people you might be tempted to put trust in. But if we think that it's just the, the top people in society, the psalmist goes one step further in the second half of verse 3, something we need to pay attention to. In human beings who cannot save, don't put your trust even in human beings. They cannot save. Now, what does that mean? It's, it's not as if you and I are regularly saved by people. I'm fairly sure none of us here are superheroes who are rescuing citizens in need. The writer is speaking about comfort and hope. Ultimate comfort and hope. People aren't someone who we should seek ultimate comfort and hope in. So do you turn only to people in order to find comfort or hope? When work is getting tough, do you think to yourself, if only I could find a better job, then I'd feel really good. If you're feeling lonely, do you think to yourself, I wish I had a boyfriend, girlfriend or spouse, then I would feel at ease. If only I could earn a good income, then I could give more money to the church or missionaries. Of course, this can apply to us, even when we do church, can't it? If only we had some jolly, lively, talented musicians to play music. If only we had people who were gifted in evangelism, maybe then the church would grow. We shouldn't seek ultimate comfort and hope from people. And the psalmist gives us a very simple reason. Verse 4, they die. People mightn't be able to to fulfill what we actually need. They might let us down and their plans, their advice, their support will come to nothing. When we put our ultimate hope and trust in people, we're trusting something that will ultimately one day disappear. Whenever we talk about being let down, about someone's failure, uh, one thing that's part of it are our expectations as well, especially if it's a failure that hits us hard. Uh, For example, when someone hurts us, we might feel hurt because we didn't expect it from them or we weren't prepared. Maybe we thought better of the person. So what am I suggesting here? 
What I'm saying is that we should have a realistic, or in this case, God-centric expectation of humans and their sinfulness. When sinful people hurt us, should we really be surprised? The Bible tells us that sin is the condition that all humans have. It causes us to reject God, to be selfish, self-righteous. Sin is even the reason that we die. That's how sin is related to this part of the psalm. Sin is something we all struggle with, so we die. Now, this is what Mark 7, verses 21 to 23 tells us. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these, evil, all these evils come from inside and defile a person. These are all symptoms of sin that, that you, that I, that we all have. The Bible doesn't mince its words because the Bible is God's word. He wants us to know the condition that we all suffer from. Now, this is actually a good thing for us. Having a realistic expectation of our sinfulness could save us a lot of heartache or trouble. So I think what's important for us is for us to be aware of sin and realize how bad it actually can be. The writer is telling us not to put all our trust in people, that we don't find our sense of worth from people because they will let you down. And I know that sounds easier said than done, but the author is very direct here, isn't, it? isn't he? He gets straight to the point. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. There's only so much they can do. Sometimes they're all words and no action. Other times they promise something and don't deliver. People are sinners and because of that, they let people down. We let people down. So the point the writer has here is, is so important for us. Don't put all our trust in people. But as bad as sin gets, as bad as sin is, our God is one of great power and character. And this leads up to the final section of today's passage. It's a wonderful blessing that we see from verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose, help, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. If we as people put our ultimate trust, hope and comfort in people, if that's where we go for ultimate satisfaction, then we're going to keep looking at one human relationship and another and another and another. So that's why I think we're encouraged in today's psalm to look to God, who is everything that humans aren't. From verse 6 onwards, we see two aspects of God described wonderfully, because that's who He is. Firstly, He's the Almighty God. He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, everything in it. He is creation's creator. The Lord can even make the blind see and sustains those who are orphaned and widowed. Nothing is beyond our God's capabilities. He's a God of great power. 
And secondly, along with his power, we see how wonderful his character is. He's a God who remains faithful forever, who cares about the oppressed, who feeds the hungry, who sets the prisoners free. There's so much that God graciously does for his people. I can understand how we're tempted to put all our trust and seek comfort in people. They say things that we want to hear. They give us what we want. But they fall short in many different ways, yet the God of the Bible doesn't. He does everything within his power, within his character, for those whose hope is in him. He doesn't disappoint the people who trust him. This psalm's description of God is so humbling, and I hope we see that it's also humbling because of how we're warned. Final line in verse 9. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. If I'm tempted to trust in princes, in people, things won't go the way I hope. My hopes will be frustrated. Again, people die. People sin and disappoint others. They make mistakes. And unlike God, and unlike people who die, whose plans, whose agendas, who mark on the world will disappear, verse 10 shows us just how different God is. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. God will never fa- fade. He won't let us down. He is and will be the greatest being that everyone knows. He will reign forever and ever. God is powerful. He's the most powerful being in the universe. So we can trust that nothing is beyond him. He's also faithful. So we can trust what he says and he will do. We can put our trust in him. In some ways it reminds uh, me of two, two of my classmates from Bible college. A few years back during a lunch break, uh, I, in, I injured my leg really badly playing football, um, and I was quite distressed. Uh, I tried my best to stay calm. Uh, it wasn't until these two particular students came along that I felt better. Uh, one was trained as a nurse, and the other is a surgeon in a hospital emergency department. So I, was, I felt I was in pretty good hands, because I knew they were specially trained, and there were people who would help me. We have other people like that in society as well, don't we? Uh, paramedics, police firefighters, they're specially trained and they're there to help. It's like that with God, but God is so much more. Uh, My two fellow students had special knowledge and training, while God is the most powerful being in the universe. My two fellow students were willing to use their skills to help me out. And God is a faithful God. We can put our ultimate trust in Him for these reasons. My friends, when I started today's sermon, uh, I said that it, it wasn't of any use for me to guilt you or even asking, how's your praise life? It would have been of little use because you don't, people don't respond well to guilt or your response to the question could be vague. Uh, and in fact, it's, it's also useless because God gave us the way we are to properly praise him. His son, Jesus, Jesus lived that perfect, obedient life to God. He did that and died on the cross, making the forgiveness of sins possible for people. 
And as we sit here as sinners, I want us to think about this. Why did we as sinners deserve such favorable treatment from God? People lie, cheat, steal, kill. They always have. Yet God still sent Jesus into this world. Why? It's because God is a mighty, gracious, and faithful God. He can forgive your sins, and He's willing to do it. He gave Jesus, His Son, who leads the praise to His Father. That's even more astounding, isn't it? Not only does He do what we can't do, honor the God who's deserving of it, serious problem, but God said the solution. So friends, earlier on I told you that Jesus is the one worthy of worship, of following, of your entire trust because of his leading of God's praises for us. I hope that in seeing how God shows his grace and faithfulness by sending Jesus, that this becomes even more of a reason to trust him, to trust his son. God cares for people in more than just their hunger or in their relationships. God cares for people so much more that he gives Jesus so that we could praise him properly. Join in with Jesus' praises to God, God's Son who praises our Father in heaven perfectly. Look to him as our example of what praise looks like and join with me in praising him. When I opened today's sermon, I spoke about the fact that people have a, a tendency to fail us. Uh, even when we look, uh, even people we look up to, uh, these might be Hollywood actors, uh, sports stars, singers. We see their life and we, we elevate them. Uh, we, ev- we elevate our opinion of them, thinking that they're better than almost everyone. They can't do anything wrong. We do that with regular people too, our significant others, our friends, our family. And when we do that, we get disappointed. We get heartbroken. We end up finding it hard to trust people again. What I've said today that this isn't surprising because of the problem we all have, sin. It's why we fail others, and it's also why others fail us. But as verse 5 onward told us, God won't fail us. Nothing is beyond him, and even better. He's a faithful God, too. He cares about you and I. It's these reasons we're called to praise God, as we saw in verses 1 and 2. Humans fail. God doesn't. So praise him. But we can't properly praise him because of our sin. This is what Jesus does for us. It's one of the reasons he was sent. He's praised God fully. He's lived that life which honors God as he deserves. He honored God properly because we couldn't. And he does it for us. So come, let us praise God. Let me pray. Father God, you are worthy of all praise. Your might and faithfulness are greater than what we can understand. You made heaven and earth. You give sight to the blind and sustain 
the fatherless and the widowed. You remain faithful forever and uphold the cause of the oppressed, watching over the foreigner. Lord, you alone reign forever. Who is like you, Father? We, um, we humbly ask for your help in putting our trust in you, not in princes, nor in people. Help us to seek our sense of worth, satisfaction, hope, and trust in you and not people. Help us to look to your son Jesus, that we may be like him and live godly lives. Praising you all without praising you with all our lives, singing praises to you as long as we live. We pray and ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.